Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And today I have on James Purpura, creator of Powerful You and author of Perception. Seeing is not believing. I wanted to have James on the show today for a very specific reason. Obviously. <laughs> I'm always very intentional in what I do, right? So the reason I wanted James on today is because we are officially in the month of June. And this is the month and day, I might add. Today is June 5th, where things dramatically start to shift. And I know you're probably thinking, wait, what like there's already been so much, Amanda. There's so much going on I can't take anymore. Well, buckle up, buttercup. Today marks the lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. And so this is a sign that represents politics, economics, education, communication, media. What's really been getting turned upside down? Uh, all of those things, right? So the moon affects our mood. It affects our home and it affects domestic qualities. It's how we nurture ourselves. So that's what this year has really been about, right? This is all about forcing us to slow down and focus on priorities that we've been neglecting, which is home and family. So today starts the great awakening. We've already been in it, but this is like the point of no return basically where the veil is being lifted and we start to really recognize the things in our life that aren't serving us like politics, economics, education, <laughs> communication, and media, <laughs> right? So the way that these things have been done haven't really been beneficial. I actually saw a fantastic question on uh, Facebook like a week ago where this gal was saying, okay, you know, if kids aren't going to be allowed to go to school as they once were, or, you know, if everything shifts and has to go online, or if it changes, what should it look like? And I thought that was such a valuable question because we've just accepted the way that it's been forever. And one of the points that I made was that math and science were shoved down my throat for 12 years and I'm not really a mathematical and a scientific person. I'm an artistic person. I'm a creative person. And so for 12 years, I had all this crap shoved down my throat and basically I was told, you know, that I was stupid because I wasn't excelling in these two arenas. And so it reminds me of the quote by Albert Einstein that you tell a fish that he's supposed to climb a tree and he's going to think that he's stupid his whole life, right? So, and I think James and I talk about that very quote today in the show. So I think that, you know, this is such a valuable question as we start to reevaluate politics, economics, education, communication, and media. What should this look like? What does it look like that has worked and what does it look like where it hasn't worked? I think there's, there's a lot of questions here that 
we're really starting to stir up and recognize that we need to change our ways. Because I, if I really think about like if I were in school and had my creativity been cultivated and had my right brain been cultivated in a creative way that really allowed me to flourish, what would have been possible? So I think a lot of kids are treated this way, you know, and we're expected to really push this yang way of living. And that really hasn't served us. So the other thing is, is that, you know, even though we've already seen much of this just in this year already, everyone is so divided, right? Everybody has fierce opinions about the way it should be and how we should be going back. But we've now hit the pinnacle 2020 point of no return. In two weeks, we have the solstice, which is a solar eclipse. And guess where the solar eclipse hits? Uh, it's in Cancer. Guess where we spent the beginning of the year? Uh, in Cancer. <laughs> so what does that mean? We are once again shining a huge light on home and family, which we were highlighting at the beginning of the year, right? That's why we were uh, forced in lockdown. And it's, you know, we've got this highlight on Cancer where we're, we're trying to uh, really step back, take a, a better look at, you know, hey, we've been really forcing ourselves to focus on the things that don't matter and the things that do matter, we haven't really been um, nurturing. So this lunar eclipse and this solar eclipse are really going to shine lights and, and explode us in our new direction. And FYI, I know I'm talking a lot about astrology, and it's only because, uh, one, I'm not an astrologer, but my very dear friend, Sharita Starr, uh, is a very gifted, she is a genius when it comes to astrology. Uh, we have actually uh, talked about this many times. She has had many lifetimes as an astrologer. So that's why she's so well versed in it. And, you know, it's like she uh, tuned into this when she was in her early 20s, and it just took off. And no surprise, she's been doing this for a very long time. So she and I put together a great workshop on how to navigate all this crazy astrology, because don't forget, we're also in retrograde season. We've got four planets in retrograde. Mercury is about to go back into retrograde again. And guess where it's hitting? Home. <laughs> so you can find out more on my website if you want to uh, partake in that workshop. It's only 27 bucks. Okay. So you might be saying to yourself, great, Amanda, how the hell does all of this tie into your guest, James, today? Well, many of you are panicked. You're uncertain. You're scared. I cannot even tell you how many emails we've been receiving on a daily basis from folks who are wanting things to quote unquote, go back to normal. And the fear in the emails is insurmountable. I mean, I can just feel it. So let's get one thing straight. We are never going back to the way things were because they weren't serving us. You may think that they were, but really what it is, is it's just hitting a nerve because it's uprooting and upsetting your comfort level, right? You you got into a habit or routine and that's what you know. And now you're like, oh my God, all this new stuff is really scary. But our world has been far too yang and too aggressive, too masculine for far too long. So a shift is now in place to balance the scales. We're not meant to drive ourselves at 100 miles an hour all the time, right? But we've been conditioned to believe that success is only viewed through a very narrow lens. It's only viewed as achievement, money, fame, power. 
And you're less than if you don't have any of those things. And you're lazy if you're not pushing like everyone else. And we're already starting to see cracks in the system, right? I, I just watched the Jeffrey Epstein special on Netflix. And oh my God, you know, the, uh, the way that media and communications were manipulated and the way politics were manipulated and economics were, you know, manipulated because this man had so much money and power. He was actually able to buy himself out of pedophilia, basically. So we're starting to see cracks in the system because they were not working. So James and his wife wrote this great book called Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. And it's so poignant for this time. It's so poignant for the month of June because James was really down on his luck, which you'll learn about in today's show and you'll, you'll hear his story. It's phenomenal. But he had been in jail. He wasn't such a great citizen. And he was also $200,000 in debt. Oh my God, that just makes my heart like skip a beat. (laughs) Can you imagine the feeling of being in that position? So it would really feel like the cards are stacked against you. And you may also feel like, why even bother, right? Why should I even try? Well, many of you are feeling that same way right now. Many of you have fallen out of relationships, you've lost your job, you've been forced to move, you know, all this stuff is coming up because of the pandemic, which is good for you. This is all extremely positive, but you may be feeling like the cards are stacked against you. But if you simply turn around on the mountaintop, remember I spoke about this, I've actually said it a couple of times on the show, uh, you'll see there's an entirely different view. There is a new perception. So today, you're going to learn about James and his story. You're going to learn how he turned things around and how perception is the key to having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset so that you too can achieve your wildest dreams. Now you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, James. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've been trying to do this recording for a while. And what I always tell the audience is, you know, whenever there's a delay or there's anything that, you know, uh, pops up, there's a reason. So I think that it's very timely that you're on the show now. Obviously, the universe said, no, he needs to come on, you know, during this this pandemic and during this crazy time. So <laughs> I think that this is going to be great for the audience. Well, I think so. I've written, you know, I've done a lot of work on, I just wrote an ebook on how to, you know, overcome fear you know, we'll get you a copy of that to share with your audience. But this is a very interesting time. And as a matter of fact, it's a time that nobody's ever experienced something like we're experiencing right now. Hmm. Well, you know, and you and I were talking at the top of the show. Uh, I think it's a beautiful time. I think that people should really enjoy it. I, I realize that we've got a lot of mundane um, what my teacher would always, uh, consider mundane issues like rent and utilities and, you know, stupid shit. Um, but it's a beautiful time to really do inner work and, and to take a step back and to see the bigger picture and really get your priorities straight about what is and is not serving you. And, um, I think that's why I was kind of laughing as I was getting ready to hop on the show with you today. Cause I was thinking about your book perception, uh, seeing is not believing. And I thought, man, how telling, right? Like, <laughs> it's right. just 
So, so telling. And I, I want to dive into that. But before we start talking about the book, I wanted to get kind of an understanding of, you know, getting up to you writing this book, like what led you to writing it? What inspired you? Give us a little bit of background about your life, because I, I think it's important for people to hear that. I think a lot of times people see, you know, when you've arrived, but they don't see the the shit show that you go to to get there. So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, I'd absolutely be happy to do that. But I do want to say one thing about the COVID thing that everybody's facing, because you brought it up. And what I'd like to tell people is there's this saying in business, and the saying is this, the only thing that's worse than a company that totally fails is one that barely makes it. And so I would apply that same saying to life. The only thing worse than a, a life that totally fails is one that barely makes it. And so if you're out there and you're in massive amounts of fear, uncertainty, you know, whatever you're feeling right now is this is your opportunity to go, well, I'm losing everything. And, you know, it's, it's hard to look at the things you have and go, well, I could give these up, right? But when you start losing it, you have to ask yourself the question is, is it what I wanted to begin with? And if the answer to that, to that question is no, then stop fighting about losing the things that you didn't want anyway. And so what I tell people is this is your opportunity to let go of all the ideas and concepts and beliefs and, you know, things that don't serve you because the truth is, is it's really hard to restart. And so sometimes we have to be forced to restart. So, you know, in these times of uncertainty are, are, are the greatest opportunities, period. It's like, you know, it's not until you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. And so if you're sitting there and you're, and you're facing this type of crisis, just know then when, when it, you hit bottom is that you can rebuild your life into something incredible. And, you know, that leads us back into where, you know, how my story comes into this. And for me, that meant I was sitting in a jail cell, right? You know, I had lost everything. I was, you know, I was $200,000 in debt and restitution, you know, and if we, you know, if we back that up even further, it's like, why was I sitting there? You know, I had some pretty traumatic childhood experiences. I had adopted what I like to call like a victim mentality. The world was happening to me, not because of me. My life was a complete disaster. And I couldn't make the decision to pull the ripcord, so I started numbing out through drugs. And as I continued numbing out, eventually I lost everything. And then, you know, I became an addict. You know, I was homeless. And I was, comp I was committing small crimes in order to pay for my habit. And then I escaped from a police officer who had, you know, wanted me to go find somebody from him. And so I ended up in jail. But not only that, I ended up in solitary confinement. And so I'm locked in a box with the person that I don't want to be around the most, which is me, faced with the idea of facing up to all of my own problems and challenges. And that's where my story started. And so I can only assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're not there, right? that your story is somewhere above there. So what I would say to you is that, you know, if you have a roof over your head and food on your table, you know, or even if, you know, it's not your roof, that you have a huge, solid foundation to rebuild your life into anything you want it to be. I love that. And I'm really glad that you brought up that point. I was actually talking to 
an acquaintance the other day, and she was talking about that very thing. She has been a uh, an RN, a registered nurse, for the last 25 years, and she was let go from the facility that she was working at. And she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I can't pay my bills and I'm freaking out, but I don't want to go back into nursing because it wasn't my choice in the first place. She said, I did it because my parents wanted me to be a nurse. I didn't want to be a nurse. And I was like, well, then you need to do something new. And her first response is, but I don't know what to do. And I need to do something right away because I have bills to pay. And I thought, wow, you're in, a, you're in a really awesome position right now. Because like you said, you know, she has lost everything, but she's in this position where she can be open to anything. I mean, she literally has, she's being put in a position to choose, but she's not seeing it that way. So that's what I really love about your book with this idea of perception. You know, we, we choose the, the way that we want to see things and you, you talk about it um, in chapter 13. I loved this because you, you talked about, you said even a blind squirrel can find a nut, which I love that. But the three concepts that change everything, um, which are the mindset, um, which you talk about the growth versus fixed, which is Carol Dweck, capacity, and then power. Um, responsibility versus blame, which you were talking about a minute ago about your own perception. Um, why do you think, because I think that the number one problem with a lot of people is their mindset. And why do you think that is? Why do you think so many people um, default to, but I can't, you know, they, they choose that victim, uh, like you were just talking about that. They choose that victim side of things. Well, it's actually pretty simple. And it's this, if you tell yourself a story long enough, you start to believe it. <laughs> mm. And when you start to believe it, it starts to come true, right? Ah. And if that story's a lie, it doesn't mean that it is true. It just means that you believe that it's true, right? And so one of the things, here's the kind of the basis for our book is that, is that, you know, we all chose to believe things about ourselves that weren't true based on the opinions of others when we were younger. And so the problem is, is that what, what, when we chose to believe it, it wasn't in fact true. You know, all these people walk around with this idea of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I, you know, whatever it is. And they've been telling them that stuff, that story for so long that it's true, right? It's true to them because they believe it. So what is true? Whatever you believe to be true. And so the underlying idea behind perception is this, is that you don't see reality, right? And, you know, sometimes I say that to people like, what? And other people are like, oh, I know I don't. But they, none of them actually know that they do because it feels real. And it's like, well, if you don't see reality, what do you see? You know, you see what your mind believes to be reality based on what it's been in the past. And so essentially you have to think about life this way is that you are not interacting with the outside world. You're actually interacting about with your beliefs about what the in the outside world is. Right. And so it's like every time you have an experience, your mind does something similar to a Google search. And this all happens instantaneously with no conscious knowledge from our part. And it's like your mind goes, Oh, what does this mean? What does it mean? It delivers a, you know, assessment of what's going on based on what happened in the past. And so we all get this idea of we're not good enough, right? Or we're not smart enough. Look, Amanda, when I got out of jail, I had $200,000 in debt. I had a fifth grade education. I had four felonies on my record, right? 
And that's a recipe for disaster. You know, I like to tell the story. So I went down to the community college and I took the entrance exam. And, you know, after I took the entrance exam, the lady comes out and she calls me into the back room and she goes, sir, I'm sorry, but you can't come to school here. And I said, why not? And she goes, she goes, you didn't score over a fifth grade level on any single thing that we tested you on. You fell somewhere between third and fifth grade. And she goes, you can't pass a single class here. And so when I left that environment, you know, this just after getting out of jail, I was like, what am I going to do? And so, you know, it would be a great after school special if I went down to the library and I started cracking books and, uh, you know, I came back and I graduated top of my class in community college, but that's not what I did, right? And so here's one thing that people fail to realize is that there's one big defining difference between how successful people act and how people that aren't as successful act. And it's this, successful people focus on their strengths, not their weaknesses, you know, people who aren't as successful focus on their weaknesses, not their strengths. And so what I said when I left there was, I don't have the skills to go to community college. I didn't much want to go to community college anyway, right? So I'm not going. And so what did I do? I tried to figure out what are my strengths. And here's what my strengths were. It was like, I'm pretty good at solving problems. And if I'm passionate about something, I can be persuasive. So I went into sales. You know, I never, you know, even now, you know, it took me nine years from the time I left jail to get to my first million dollars, you know, another year to to my second. And, you know, several years later, you know, I have way more than I need, but that's not the point. The point is, is this, is that, you know, I focused on the things I was good at. I started fostering a different story, telling myself a different story about who I was and what I was capable of. And the, what was on the inside, you know, started to shape what was on the outside. And so what I tell people is this, you know, who are you? You are the culmination of all of your beliefs, not your experiences. Your experiences are a subset of your beliefs. And so people are like, well, what do I believe about myself? And I say, well, I can spend five minutes with you and tell you what you believe about every aspect of your life. And they said, well, how can you do that? And I'm like, I can look at how much money is in your bank account and tell you what you believe about money. I can ask you about the qualities of your relationships and tell you about your, you know, what you believe about relationships. I can look at your health and fitness and tell you what you believe about health and fitness. What's on the inside is always reflected on the outside. So if you want to see something different on the outside, you have to start telling yourself a different story and weaving a different narrative on the inside. So I'm curious, uh, you know, I agree. I think that um, you can definitely look at someone and, and get to know them and, and learn where their priorities are. Um, and you can definitely define what their strengths and weaknesses are. But I do think that, you know, our perception is definitely developed um, by the authority figures in our youth. Like, you know, we um, take on the beliefs of those that are around us and, and we have the choice to choose, but we're so young, we just assume that that is what truth is. So as we get older, just as you did, we hang on to those belief systems. We create a story. It's now our narrative. Um, and a lot of people will stick to that. You know, it's like hardcore, this is my story and I'm sticking to it and it's not going to change. But for someone who does have a growth mindset and does want to break out of that, how do they start to redefine that? Because 
I, you know, I've seen this in my own practice where, and we call this bamboo chi where someone's, you know, highly inflexible and it's always the yes, but the yes, but the yes, but. So if somebody is ready to change, what are some things that you recommend to start redefining that narrative and creating a new one? So, I mean, you, you nailed it. It's like the openness to question everything, right? But let me tell you a story. So I'm sitting in my jail cell and you know, I'm looking, I used to write these long lists of people who had harmed me, you know, shortly after getting there, I got some books and some ideas. I started meditating. And one day I looked down at this list because I was going to offer these people forgiveness in my prayers and meditation time. And I have this epiphany and here's what it was. It's the only common denominator between all of these situations is in fact me. What if I am somehow the cause of all these situations? Um, and that's where it started for me was I never really considered the fact of whether or not I was the creator of my experiences. I always thought life was happening to me. And so I thought about what that meant. Well, if I wasn't the creator of my experience, that meant life really was happening to me. And it meant the world really was a shitty place. And I probably didn't want to play anymore because bad things had happened to me. But if I was the creator of my experience, what did that mean? It meant if I could figure out how I was creating my experiences, then I could create something new and different in its place. And so the next question I asked myself is, I decided on that day I was the creator of my experiences. Unbeknownst to me many years later, what I didn't realize is I was taking my power back. And so the next question I asked myself is, how do, how do I create my experiences? And I thought, well, does the abuse that I incurred in my childhood define me. I thought, well, I guess, you know, if it defines me, then I'm stuck forever because I can't go back and change the abuse. And then it was like, well, has everybody who's ever had abuse allowed it to ruin them? And the answer was no. If they had support, they were able to overcome it. So it couldn't define me. And then I was like, well, what, what is it that defined my life after my abuse? And here's, and you hit on this point, but I want to, I want to hit drive it home. It's like, it's what I chose to believe about myself having lived through that abuse. So here's my abusive situation. This is the first one was I went to kindergarten and my teacher would call me up when she found out that I was in the special ed class every day. She'd call me up in front of the class. She would tell me I was stupid and retarded for going to special ed. She'd make the whole class call me stupid on the way out the door. And my mom was depressed and not able to step in. My dad was out of the picture. And so I incurred this abuse every day for the first year. And then I was bullied several years after that. And so the idea is, is that what did I believe about myself? What did I choose to believe about myself having lived through that abuse? I believed that I was stupid. I believed that I was not good enough. I believed that, you know, all of these different bad things about myself that weren't true. And so when I tell that story, people oftentimes go, James, don't do that to yourself, right? I'm like, what? And they're like, you were only five. You didn't have a choice. And I'm like, stop taking my power away. And they said, what do you mean? Even though I made the most logical decision, it still was my choice to believe it. And if it's my choice to believe it, then I have the power to change it. If it wasn't my choice, then I can't change it. And so even though I made the most logical conclusion, I still chose to believe a lie. And the good news is, is that because it was my choice on what to believe, I can always go back and change that belief and get a different outcome in the future. 
And so that's what I tell people. It's like, why would people question whether or not they were a victim unless they had the tools to change it? And the answer is they wouldn't because that would just give them more suffering. It's like, why would I take responsibility for that if I don't know how to change it? Because that's I'm just going to beat myself up more. But the truth is, and this is the reason we made the movie, Perception, Seeing is Not Believing, wrote the book, is to tell people that you actually have the power to change your life. But it starts with this idea of ownership, to be able to say, hey, you know, I did the best I could with what I had, but it was in fact my choice. Now I can go back and choose to believe something different. And so what we like to tell people is, if your life isn't what you, you know, want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's made because you made the only choice you could with the information you had available to you, right? You were just doing the best you can, but now you can go back and choose something else. And, you know, that's why it's important to understand that. Yeah. And I, I'm really glad that you were driving that, uh, home about the choice, because I think a lot of people fail to realize so many people think, like you said, that life is happening to them and not for them. And they choose to continue the story and to suffer. Um, it's like a lot of people want to default to that because, um, you know, the X, Y, Z, it's they, they want to play the victim or they, you know, want to have the sympathy or, you know, that's, that's how they feel that they're getting the attention. And I'm curious, you know, I would feel like a lot of the people that you are working with are ready to change. They're ready to make that choice and, and step out of uh, that chapter in their life and move on to something different. But I'm curious in the, the years that you've been doing this work, you know, do people usually change their perception over time? I mean, is that pretty typical for someone to, I mean, I feel like you kind of had an awakening. You went through this traumatic experience and, and you kind of had a, a wake up and you actually, which is fantastic. You had this awakening and you said, you know what? I can change it. I can do something about that. And I feel a lot of people don't do that. They just kind of go in the same pattern loop and, and they stay there. So do you find that a lot of people like hang on for dear life to the perception that they have and, and choose not to change it or feel like they can't? So, you know, um, the answer is yes, until they have reason not to. And so, you know, there's another narrative that I like to say, and it's this idea that I tell people all the time, you've never made a bad decision. Right. And people are like, no, James, I've made a lot of bad decisions. And I say to them, no, actually, you've not, not only have you never made a bad decision, you're not even capable of it unless you're mentally ill. And they're like, okay, what do you mean? And I said, you've only ever made a decision with bad information. And, you know, what's the difference? Is it phonetics? No, the difference is huge. And here's what it is, is success and failure comes down to information, right? And so when you have good, when you have good information, right, to make decisions, then you have, you know, good information leads to good outcomes, it leads to, or good decisions leads to good outcome, you know, you know, faulty information leads to faulty outcomes, you know, or leads to faulty decisions, which leads to undesirable outcomes. And why is it important to understand that? And here's the reason is because it means there's nothing wrong with you. You were only ever doing the best you can, you can stop beating yourself up because the problem is not you. The problem is an information problem, plain and simple, right? That's it. It's just an information problem. And so when people put the problem squarely on them, that there's something wrong with them, there's nothing wrong with you. If I have something you don't, it's because I have better information to make my decisions through. 
what's the source of our information? It's your perception and it's your emotions. You know, those two elements make up everything that you experience in life. It's based on those two elements, yet most of us fail to understand how those things work. And so it's like, I tell people all the time, it's like, let me ask you a question. Would you give, would you just stop anytime you had a really important decision to make and give it to a five-year-old to make it for you? And they're like, well, absolutely not. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about self-esteem for a second. Would you like better self-esteem? Yes. Why? Because it would impact every decision I make. I'd be more confident. I'd be more self-aware, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I think we can all believe, all agree that that's probably true, right? And so who wouldn't want better self-esteem? Well, what is self-esteem? Well, when you break it down, it's just your opinion of yourself. And it's like, well, why don't you just change your opinion of yourself? Well, because I don't know what my opinion of myself is based in. And it's like, okay, well, then how about this? It's like, it's like, you know, most experts agree self-esteem is established by the age of five. And so literally, you know, let's go back to that decision. When you do have an important decision, you never know what version of you or what beliefs, you know, were established in what version of you that are in fact weighing in on your current decision. And if self-esteem impacts everything that you do, you are literally handing those decisions off to a five-year-old. And so you have to understand that, look, there's nothing wrong with you. You chose to believe things about yourself that weren't true based on past experiences and the opinions of others. And those things are still impacting your life today. You can now choose to believe something different. Now, the one thing that I will challenge you on the fact is, Amanda, even though I had the idea I should change, I didn't know how to change. And so shortly after getting out of jail, I met my wife and we decided to take this journey together. And like self-esteem was one of the first things that I tackled. So how did we tackle it? And I was like, I didn't know about perception or emotions or feedback or any of this stuff. I just decided, well, I hate myself. So I'll tell myself I love myself. And so, you know, I started doing affirmations every day. It was like, I love myself. It was like, liar, right? It's, you know, this voice <laughs> in my head. How many times did I tell myself I love myself? Probably a million. And after a while, it seemed like less of a lie. And after a while, it seemed like it started to seem like the truth. And so basically what I was doing is if you think of your mind as a supercomputer, is I was programming that computer to believe that I love myself rather than I hate myself. And so when that programming got deep into there, and I did it very slow and backwards way, that's, you know, the whole point, it's like, you know, that chapter in the book you were referring to earlier, it's like, you know, sometimes you have to go the wrong way to find the right way, it's like I did everything wrong. And it was painful long process to get where I am. And people go nine years, that's nothing. Well, it seemed like an eternity for me because we had to do this without any inherent knowledge about how to change beliefs, what are perceptions, how perceptions work, what our emotions are, how they work. And so the entire reason we wrote this book and did this movie was is so that you don't have to go through nine years of grueling, tough work to learn how to shape and change the ideas and concepts that dictate what your life is today. Mm. I, I think it's great because um, I, I just want to mention the book is called Perception, Seeing is Not Believing, and it's time to evolve. And I, I love that tagline, it's time to evolve, because one of the things that I did want to ask you, which is pertinent now, because we're we're going through this pandemic and 
um, I think it's really poignant. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was in chapter 13, you talked about our broken school system, which you mentioned a minute ago about being bullied yourself and having your uh, instructor, which is horrible. I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, But, you know, how learning is not a one size fits all. Um, You know, I think that we all learn differently. We are put in a box inside of a school system that basically does try to make a one size fits all. And, you know, I experienced a lot of this when I was going through school because I'm a very creative child. And so the hardcore math and science and a lot of that, I really struggled with. And because I wasn't good at math and science, I was considered dumb. And so I was bullied for that because I was dumb when in actuality I was a genius. It's just that I wasn't a genius in those topics, (laughs) right? So I feel like it is all about mindset, but because we've been conditioned to believe otherwise, it has dramatically affected our circumstances as an adult. But I think we are in an incredible paradigm right now with this pandemic because kids are at home and they're being forced to learn in a different and a new way, which I think could be quite amazing in the long run because they're in a supportive environment for the most part. And I'm hearing from a lot of my friends who have kids that the teachers are allowing them to focus more. Like one of the girls that I was speaking with this morning, she was talking about um, how her child is really great at reading and writing and things like that. So the instructors have been having him focus on that because it's keeping him more focused at home. And so I find that really curious. And I I feel like maybe this is going to shift the way our school system is. And I'm I'm curious what you think about that, if, if that could be something that could be a really positive outcome for kids moving forward. So absolutely. So, you know, Einstein has a saying, and it's like, if you judged a fish's ability to climb a tree, he'll spend his whole life thinking that he's stupid, stupid. right? It's a great and quote. It, it's one of my it's favorite. Like, that's what we do in schools is what you need to understand is schools are based on learning how to produce things, whether that's a, you know, to build something, right, to, you know, add up a spreadsheet, or if that's to, you know, make a doctor's diagnosis, they are not learned, they're not there to create free thinking. And so one of the challenges we face is that, you know, we're always educating people towards what jobs are available, right? This was never meant, I mean, kids do not learn how to think, they learn how to memorize, right? What? The answer is needed to fulfill a specific task. And so one of the big failings of the school system is this, is that, you know, people don't think about this, but I'm I'm really going to tweak your mind now, right? It's like, we are facing, and this isn't even from the pandemic, you know, in the next 15 or 20 years, we are facing a level of unemployment that nobody's ever even considered possible because for the first time in history, the technical revolution is going to offset more jobs than it creates in a big way right? So it created a lot of jobs, hey, technology, technology, technology. But, you know, 20 years from now, there isn't going to be a truck driver, right? There's not going to be a taxi driver. There's not going to be an Uber. I mean, it's just going to all be automated. And that's 5% of the economy, right? And so when you think about all the jobs that technology is going to replace, 
what is going to be the biggest need in our school system? And here's what people don't understand is that the most creative people in the world are the ones that are rejected by the system and either sink or swim. And that's how geniuses and creative people have been made is through the fire of being massively rejected. That's why the creative people so often kill themselves, right? And so, you know, it's like, you know, drug rehabs are full of super creative people. And it's like, because they didn't, they didn't have the resiliency or they didn't, you know, swim, they sank. And so one super creative person can create jobs for millions and millions of people like a Steve Jobs or somebody like that. It's like, you know, they were rejected from the system. And so when we get to that level where technology replaces way more jobs than it, than it, than it produces, then we are going to be forced to shift our school systems towards fostering creativity because we're going to be able, the old system of learning this through fire is just not going to be able to sustain enough creative people to think our way out of 20%, 30% unemployment, right? And so we're going to be forced in that direction anyway. But essentially, here's what I would say to people is just because you know, the school system said you got an F because you weren't good in the subject didn't mean that you weren't smarter. There's a book out there, never actually read it, but I'll give it a little credit. And it's why A, why a students work for C students and B students work for the government, right? And, you know, the basic synopsis from just the title is that, you know, A students who are obsessed by being right cannot you know, be creative. It's the C students who were more or less rejected and didn't make it in school that are the most creative people because it's like, I'm not good at school. And B students just default to the easiest job possible because they were never as good as A students. And so, you know, if you're a parent or even if you're somebody who's faced in this current crisis, it's like there is a level of creativity inside of you. There are gifts inside of you. Stop trying to be like everybody else and embrace what's different, not what's the same, right, about you. And when you do that, then you'll be able to create a life that's magical. I mean, your nurse friend, it's like if she's listening to this podcast, I would say to you, you don't need to figure out today what the end result's going to be, right? And so if you have to take a job driving Uber or delivering pizzas or whatever it is you need to do to survive in the short term, do that. You know, figure out, you know, Gary Vee says the best, he's like, you know, you shouldn't even be deciding your career until your 30s, right? Oh, amen. You know, right? Don't get out of school and think, I got to pick the job I'm going to be in for the rest of my life. Are you shitting me right now? It's like you're wasting your time. Go out and make some mistakes. Do the things you do. Figure out what it is you don't want to do. What a gift to your friend that was an RN. I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to be a nurse, right? It's like, but I don't know what I do want to do. Take this time and figure it out. If you're going to hit the reset button, don't go into a life that was barely working or wasn't working at all for you. Mm, amen. And I, I, I want to add to that. I want to say, you know, I think that we are all control freaks and, and we've been conditioned also to believe that we have to have it all figured out and we have to know everything right now. And, you know, you don't. You have to give yourself permission to say, you know what? I do know that I don't want to do that and I don't exactly know what it is that I want to do, but I'll figure it out. And, you have to be okay with, I was just mentioning to James before the show that because of the pandemic, I've been slinging side hustles and, and doing some side things to, to make rent. And, 
you know, I've had friends actually say to me, I can't believe you're doing that. And it's like, why the F not? What, you know, you're the only you, one that has a problem with you it. Mean, you can't believe I'm putting food on my table? Like, <laughs> like, right? You're the only one that has a problem with this. I don't. And I've actually, I was telling James, I'm actually having a really good time doing it. And I'm meeting some freaking fantastic people. But, you know, the difference between an ordeal and a journey is attitude. And, you know, I've been really enjoying it. And I think that's another issue is that I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I've been doing something for X, Y, Z many years. And so that's beneath me. And it's not. Do what you got to do to pay your rent or your mortgage and put food on the table and allow yourself the flexibility to figure it out. And I yeah, will I say, uh, just one second, uh, I will say that one of the benefits it, to working more of a, a lower level job is like, I just go in, I show up, I do my job and I leave. And so I'm actually, I've got more time than I've had in the past, which I also think is fantastic. So it gives you the flexibility to pay your bills while simultaneously having the time and the flow to figure it out. Right, because so you're, you're not emotionally invested in that job. It's like, look, I exactly. just go in, I do it, I leave. You know, it's funny, I, I tell people sometimes, I'm like, would you shovel manure for an entire year at the end of the year if somebody was going to give you $10 million, right? Period. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd do that. Why? Because you don't want to do that. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. Well, I get $10 million. And it's like, that's exactly what we're talking about. It's like, you know, I, so where I made all my money was in construction technology, right? And so I had zero passion about construction technology, right? It was the most boring thing in the world to me. Now, partially because my dad was a general contractor and that's, I mean, I lived in construction. It was just like, I was good at it. So what was I passionate about? Developing people and helping them become successful. So I found something I was passionate about inside of that business, but I bought that business. I sold that business. I mean, for millions and millions of dollars. And it's like, why'd you do that? You didn't love it? And I'm like, no, I didn't love it. But sometimes, right, you have to take a taxi or card to go from where you are to where you want to get to. Right. And so, you know, it's okay to do something you don't want to do for a period of time, as long as it's taking you to where you want to go. Well, you can't figure that out until you get clarity around the thing that you want. And so don't beat yourself up for having to take to do something that you may feel like is below you in a period of time that you're trying to figure out what it is that you're in alignment with. It's like, you know, you don't have to figure the world out all in one day. And it's like, I took that car. I was in, I was in that car for like 12 years, right? 10, 12 years. It was like, you know, I was there forever, but at the end I got millions of dollars and then I used those million dollars to start a company around the things that I most wanted to do. And during the time I was building that business, I was refining the philosophy that I'm sharing with you today, which anybody who's listening can see it's a very cohesive story around everything that it took for me to get successful. And so, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, there is nothing, right, that's inherently bad about doing any job if that job is, you know, you know, is making you so you can survive, so you can eat, so you can pay your rent. And so sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do while you figure out and set up what it is you do want to do. Just don't stop there. Right? Just don't get stuck there. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, I make enough at the 7-Eleven night shift to pay my bills <laughs> and I'm good. It's like, if it's draining your soul, you have to understand and put it in the proper context of 
this is not the end. It's just what I'm going to do to get there. So, hey, I just dropped in the chat an ebook that I wrote. And, you know, you're welcome to share it with your listeners, you know, send it to your email list. But this is an ebook. It actually talks about almost every topic in depth that we've talked about on the phone today, which is, you know, why we're so afraid to change. What are the challenges we face? What are the ideas and concepts that are keeping us stuck? You know, what is happiness? What's the nature of fear? You know, all of those things. And it boils it down to a very short 45 minute hour read. And it will make people see uh, the world very differently. Awesome. I'll make sure to, to uh, share that. I uh, just want to ask you one last question. Um, you know, you've done a lot of really incredible work and um, the book is amazing. I, you know, one of the things that I love is I, um, I actually have a, a online uh, course called Mastering Feng Shui where I teach people, you know, extensive feng shui and what I do. And I, I go into pretty great detail about Carol Dweck's work about growth versus uh, fixed mindset and how important it is to, you know, keep yourself open to choices and, and always knowing that you have the power to choose. And so you're doing incredible work. You've, you've made an incredible video um, about all the things that you've done. If you had the opportunity to look ahead, you know, five, 10 years, let's say 10 years, what would you like to see from the work that you've done now? Like what, what's your hope for everything that you've done for the future? Boy, what a great question. So the answer to your question is, is so just so everybody on the phone understands, so I've written two books, one of which is this free ebook. Um, I've, you know, we have this movie of the same title. It's called Perception Scenes Not Believing. It's winning awards all over the country. We've written an assessment called Perception Sketch. We have a content universe, which is like a Netflix for personal development with fantastic teachers and content on it. We have, um, you know, I'm a main investor in a headset called Vital Neuro, which is, you know, um, and I'm taking it out to the, to the consumer market, which is a, which is a neurofeedback, medical grade neurofeedback design with scientifically designed music that will shift you from a state of fear into a, a state of joy in 15 minutes. That's rad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'll put a link to that as well. And so we're running, I'm running the consumer division of it. You know, we, I partnered with my friends who've got this program called the Optimal Being Program. And so essentially here's what my goal and objective is, Amanda. And so I'll give you an example. So I had this conversation, I was meeting with these guys, going to put them on the next Live Aid, you know, across the world. And, and they were like, I'm like, where are you putting the money? And they said, in the environment. And I said, you're wasting your money. He said, you don't like the environment? No, I said, I love the environment. But until we can bring people out of pain and suffering at scale, nobody's ever going to give a crap about the environment, right? We cannot expect people to heal the environment when they still feel broken. And so my objective and everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm putting together and everything I'm dumping, you know, all of my money and time into is to bring people out of pain and suffering at scale worldwide. And because this, you know, when we sold our technology company, my wife, Steph and I, uh, we had this talk and the talk was, is, is do we want to retire? And the answer, the answer was no. And it was why it was like, cause is this, is this the world we want our kids and grandkids to grow up in? And the answer was no. Right. Because, it's, I mean, there's some terrible things that go out in the world and it's like, why? And it's because, 
you know, there are, there's a group of people right now, you know, and you're obviously one of them that is trying to help move humanity forward. And, you know, this, whatever's happening in this pandemic right now and whatever's going to, whatever bomb we're going to find next month in our economy is the fact that this is a planetary reset, right? And so I've de dedicated every second of every day to getting the information and concepts and technology out to people to they need to shift and change their life. You know, you've probably read a lot of books, but I bet you haven't read one like ours, right? Like it's, it really, it's written on a fifth grade level. It's very, cause I'm a fifth grade education, right? But it explains concepts that most people wouldn't be able to grasp have, have a, not being explained in the way we explain it is that, is that I want to be a part of the group of people that shift humanity out of a constant state of pain, suffering, and fear into the next evolution of humans, which is into creativity, love, and trust. And that's what I see 10 years from now. Well, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I want to curse right now. I'm so excited. I love the idea. I mean, I, I, as you were saying all of this, I was like, yes. I mean, oh my God, yes. I mean, it makes sense because you're absolutely right. Everybody's, you know, they are choosing the choice of I want to wallow and stay in my pain and suffering and I choose to stay there because there's no other way. And if you have a device or a tool that can help them get out of that in 15 freaking minutes, holy cow, why would you not? I well, mean, that just, I mean, that just, it's like that kind of tills the ground. Now all the content plants the seeds. And yeah. so here's what I'd like to end, Amanda. There are people that are listening to the sound of our voices right now that are considering suicide, that have lost hope, right? That have, it's just statistically impossible that there's not. And what I would say to those people right now is there is hope, Right that if I could do it with a fifth grade education, you can do it, right? That you can build a life that's incredible, that's magical. The only thing that's missing is information. And, you know, we have that information. Look, Amanda, I just put a, a link up in, in the chat and it's free resources. So our company's called Powerful U, the letter U. Our website is powerful-theletteru.com. We've made almost all of our products and services completely free during this pandemic to help support people in this time of need. Our, you can download the Powerful You app on any device, on a TV device, on a, on a phone device, and you can watch our movie for free. And you know, for those of you who don't know, my, my wife you know, committed suicide and woke up on a bathroom floor barely alive and dragged her way out of that to create this life with me. There is no point if you're still breathing, that you're beyond hope. You just need information. And that's what we're trying to do. All these resources are free. We have a ton of free resources. We will support you in your climb out because we need you, right? We need your story. We need your unique you know, story because you will be able to reach people that I won't be able to reach. And so it's like, you know, we want to help you move out, build the life that you desire, have an incredible life so that you can help somebody else. And that's our whole theory is like you help two friends, you help two friends, right? I mean, really, 
is that let's reach out and help everybody starting with you. Yeah, I love it. One person at a time. Well, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. I, I love your mission. I love what you're doing. I say all the time that we need far more compassion and kindness in our world and people need to be giving back and helping each other out. You know, nobody's an island and I cannot thank you enough for saying yes to this and sharing your message with my audience. And of course, hopefully they will share it uh, with friends and family that they know as well, because I think it's such an incredible message right now, just considering what everybody's going through. And you're right. I mean, suicides are, you know, they're, they have increased tremendously during this pandemic because a lot of people are um, not sure what to do with themselves. They're scared. They're fearful. Um, you know, with all the uncertainty. And then of course, many are lonely. So I think you provide a lot of amazing tools to help shift that paradigm for them and help them shift their perception. And I highly recommend the book. Um, I actually read it a while ago because James was supposed to come on the show a while ago, but it's, um, I think that uh, one of the things that I experienced as I was reading it um, is I just kept having to set it down and just like, wow. And I would have to set it down and I would have to think and then I would pick it back up and then I would have to set it down and go, wow. (laughs) So it's just one of the, for me personally, it was a book where I just, it really got me thinking and it it was really helping shift my paradigm. I'm I'm already pretty, you know, open and um, I have a lot of amazing guests on the show, but I think that um, for somebody who's new to the idea of choice and you have the option to choose a different you know, direction and a different path. I think that um, it's a really fantastic experience reading it and having um, read your story about what both you and your wife have gone through um, to know. I don't give a shit if it took you nine years, 20 years, it doesn't matter. You still took the same path, but a lot of people are, you know, that they have, I've had a bad childhood or I've, you know, I was bullied or I went through a bad marriage or whatever their story is. I think that for me, this is what I would consider a disruptor because you read it and it disrupts the thought pattern that you're telling yourself and it makes you go, huh, but what if, what if I chose a different direction? What if I decided to uh, you know, take the education that I have or the lack thereof and do something about it. And I think that's, what's great about the story is that, you know, you were knocked down several times. You had a a pretty bad rap sheet and you still made something out of it, which I think is incredible. So thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your story. Hey, Amanda, thanks for having me. Um, we really appreciate it. And thanks for doing the good work out there. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I was talking about how I've been receiving a lot of emails where people are just really uncertain and um, scared about the future and and what it holds. And so I wanted to do an I Ching divination just to ask for um, some guidance on some messages that you might need to uh, better understand, maybe hear to help you through this time. And it's so poignant as usual. I got mountain over fire, which is grace inside the strength of simplicity and self-knowledge outside the beauty of acceptance and gentleness this hexagram encourages you to cultivate a quality of grace in your life and in your general way of being in this way you gain a power greater than any other to open a way through obstructions in your dealings with others and in life Good fortune is yours if you concentrate on bringing more grace to your thoughts and actions now. 
It is human nature to want to use forceful ways to try to get out of what we want from others and from life. Our egos encourage us to act aggressively, to speak boldly, to intimidate others, and to buffalo our way through difficult situations. This is false power and can be momentarily satisfying to your ego and temporarily victorious. But genuine power and lasting progress come from a different kind of strength altogether. They come from inner strength, which is characterized by steadfast devotion to principles of humility, simplicity, equanimity, and acceptance. By gradually letting go of the vain, bullying energy of the ego and accepting the quiet guidance of the higher power, one acquires the substance that makes ongoing good fortune a possibility. Wow. I hope that each and every one of you really heard that. Grace. To get you through this. It's a good time. Uh, maybe it's just a little bit... Uh, more challenging than normal <laughs> but it's all good it's all positive right I hope that you've enjoyed the show today I hope that it was helpful for you to hear James story you know more than anything I just want to leave you feeling uplifted and positive and looking forward to the future I told you that this was going to be a tumultuous year and it was going to be filled with a lot of chaos and intensity and it has proved to be that and so much more. <laughs> but like today's I Ching divination, grace will get you through it. If you'd like to learn more about my workshop with Sharita Starr, just head on over to my website, uh, interiorvibes.com. The button is at the top there. It's a, a workshop that teaches you about the astrology that's going on through the summer and what you can expect and the things that you need to be working on depending on your sun sign. And then I come in and teach you how to utilize your home to work on that specific um, thing that you're supposed to be working on for the summer. Your sun sign has a specific task that you're supposed to be working on. So I show you how to boost that and uplift that area of your life utilizing your home. So it's pretty fun, very powerful, and will just give you a better understanding. I can't believe how many people, obviously not everybody listens to this show or listens to, you know, the things that I say, but I'm really surprised as to how many people are in the dark about what's going on energetically this year. I was just speaking uh, to a gal the other day and, and she was saying how intense this year is and that she can't sleep and she's nauseous and she's just so restless. And I told her about what was going on energetically in the stars and she's like, I don't even know what any of that means. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I, you know, I had to try to explain all of it to her and she's just like, I had no idea. I had no idea any of that was going on. So I think that awareness is key. Because as you're going through this, and, and it does feel like a roller coaster, you know, it's literally taking it one day at a time and slowing down to the best of your ability. This is all about simplification. But if you're aware of that, you can definitely maneuver it with grace, right? All right, everyone, thank you for joining me on the show today. Don't forget, if you're interested in a floor plan reading, you can learn more about that on my website as well. If you'd like to learn about the workshop, the button is at the top. And if you do like the show and it is helping you, I've been trying really hard to continue to put up a show every 
uh, week. I try to do two if I can, but um, I'm trying to continue to put those up just so that you have something to listen to. But please support us. Go on over to iTunes, leave us a review, subscribe to it. It helps iTunes see that we're important and it helps people find us. So the more support I can get, the more potential I have to possibly, uh, you know, collaborate with sponsors and things like that. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.